Hi, this is Mimi. Welcome to my podcast, Blossoming You. I've been waking up with the one goal in mind. How can I impact someone's life today? Even if I can just help one person or one soul to blossom to better version of themselves, I'll be happy. And I just made it the daily goal. And for that reason, I have this podcast. Today, I have my friend Dorothy Yang joining us for this podcast. We'll be discussing finding your purpose. What does that mean? How do you know that you are in purpose? And what are the steps that you take to find your purpose? Dorothy has a master's degree and PhD in speech language pathology. She is my friend. She's my mentor. Whenever I have any questions or doubt or feel unclear on my path, text her and ask her and she will give me immediate clarity for me to move forward to my next thing. She's also a very funny person and she's a big lover of ice cream. So please welcome Dorothy. Hi, Dorothy. Hello. Thank you for that very, very nice introduction. Yeah, well, I'm super excited that we're doing this and we're actually talking about something that we are experiencing currently in our life, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's relevant, that it's not something that is pushed And in the same way, it's about finding your purpose. When you do something that you feel that you meant to do, it just feel at ease. Not saying that it's easy, but, you know, things just more aligned. So I'm super excited we're going to be talking about this. Yeah, same. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about current, I mean, occupation and maybe passion or the journey that you're on. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, uh, I do have higher degrees in speech pathology. In fact, my bachelor's degree is also in speech pathology as well. So I've been in this area for a really long time. I think um, if we count up the years, it's probably been since 2004 when I first, yeah, embarked in this area of study. Um, I have a little bit of like a different story. I think from most people in the sense that um, I was exposed to speech language pathology really early on. Uh, So I went to a specialized high school where to graduate, we had to um, do a mentorship with a professional in any area of our choosing. And, um, you know, like I, I, I'm Asian, so it's like kind of had that bias of like, oh, I I need to be a doctor or whatever. Um, But I had also been in my, or I was taking my third year of American Sign Language and I really liked it. Yeah, so I had no sign language. uh, (laughs) No is like a little bit too generous of a word. Um, Study it. You know the basic. For for three years, yes, but it's long been forgotten though, because I did not practice it. So I, only probably remember a handful of signs. Um, But I was in my senior year and we had to, you know, do this mentorship in order to graduate. And so I remember meeting with my mentorship coordinator and telling her that, you know, I, I really want to do something like in the medical profession, but, you know, I'm also kind of interested in sign language. You know, is there anything that kind of bridges those two areas together? And I had no idea. Um, and to be honest, I think deep down, I knew the doctor route was not for me because I did horribly in chemistry and AP chem. Yeah. And I knew like, okay, that's like your first step into (laughs) going on that medical track. So, um, so kind of knew, right. That maybe like interning with like a physician is probably not going to be the right fit for me. So she, so my mentorship coordinator, I remember her saying, um, have you ever heard of audiology? So audiology Mm. is the study of hearing. Mm. And as an audiologist, uh, you are seeing people who have hearing loss. Right. Um, and so I'm like, no, I, I haven't, but like, yeah, I'm interested in that. So she paired me out with an audiologist at my local children's hospital and, um, audiology is a branch of this like bigger umbrella field called communication science and disorders. 
So communication science and disorders is like I said, the umbrella term. Mm -hmm. And then you have like these two sub specialties. You have speech pathology and you have audiology. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like sister fields because they're all around um, helping people who have communication disorders and hearing loss, right? Impacts communication. And so um, I remember, you know, uh, going to this audiologist's, you know, uh, her office and next door was the speech language pathology office. And so I, I remember thinking like, oh, that looks pretty interesting too. Mm. So I ended up like that, that mentorship experience ended up morphing into two, like into like a, a shared experience. So mm. like some days I would go to the speech pathologist and then other days I would go to the audiologist. Um, and I really loved it. And at, by the end of that year, by the end of my senior year, I realized that I really liked speech pathology more mm. because, you know, all the kids that I saw, I remember thinking like, what is the thing that is um, contributing to their communication disorder? Mm. And it all boiled down to the brain and the nervous system. And so, um, I, that's when I kind of knew already, okay, I'm going to apply to colleges. I'm going to go to colleges that have a bachelor's like prep program mm -hmm. for, um, you know, because in order to practice in the field, you have to have at least a master's. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get all the prereqs that I need so that I can apply to grad schools and then pursue this field. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and I uh, ended up at the University of Pittsburgh you know, really kind of fell in love with the field there, then just, you know, got heavily involved in research mm -hmm. and decided to go straight into my PhD. Mm. Um, and then this is kind of where I guess the story gets interesting because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I spend, I spent about uh, probably six years getting that PhD and, wow. you know, for anyone who's, years. yeah, it's, it's a commitment. <laughs> it's definitely a commitment. But for anyone who's like, you know, knows what it's like to get a PhD, mm -hmm. it's just a very long journey. Mm -hmm. And I got, to be honest, I got tired along the way. And um, I had the option when I was in my PhD program to pick up the requirements that I needed to practice clinically. Mm -hmm. And I was originally headed on this like dual track. So one track, you know, um, headed towards fulfilling all the requirements to, for clinical work and then the other track fulfilling all the requirements for the PhD. Mm -hmm. And I got tired. And so uh, I said, you know what? I don't want to, you know, prolong this. I just want to graduate, get my PhD and be done. And so I stopped the clinical track mm -hmm. and just went to get the PhD. And when I finished, uh, long story short, I was extremely tired <laughs> and I felt like uh, I don't think I'm ever going to do anything more within, within this field, mm. except for teaching because I loved to teach. Mm. This was in 2015 mm -hmm. when I graduated. So maybe like two and a half to three years went by and I did some other stuff in between. Um, again, still keeping my foot in the door with teaching. And during that time and having a little bit of separation from when I was in my PhD, I kind of, I guess, healed over mm. that burnout and I, th that desire to work again um, in the field and in particular with patients and people who have communication disorders uh, came back. Mm. And so um, that's when I decided, okay, like I feel like I'm in a really healthy place to go back to school and to pursue my master's so that I can be licensed mm -hmm. or like work towards licensure to work with patients. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up here. And, you know, two years have gone by and I'm done with the program and it's gone faster than I thought it would. Um, well, I really want to highlight something you mentioned that well, you went to PhD and then you got burned out and then you went to do something else. And then a few years passed, you came back because you felt like you missed it. Well, what yeah. I want to highlight here is that this idea of us changing mind. Growing up as an Asian 
family and there's expectation, I always feel like this type of um, schooling, then this is the job that I'm going to be doing. And if I change my mind, I feel like, oh my God, I wasted all that time. Or if I do something else, it's like, shoot, like, why didn't I do make that decision early? I like that it's okay to change your mind because yeah. at the end of the day, whatever that you meant to do, your heart or your passion is still going to like bring you back on, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I know you, you and I, Mimi, we both believe in God, you know, and, yeah. and I think, I think even in that, in those two to three years that I kind of took a break or had this separation mm-hmm. um, from this field that I was like going so hardcore mm-hmm. in for so long, mm-hmm. um, you know, that time wasn't wasted. And I really think that those two to three years a lot of maturing and growing Mm. in me happened that made going back to school at, you know, it it just, it it set me up for success. Like Mm. those experiences really set me up for success. And um, I also, you know, matured more Mm. uh, in certain areas and my outlook on life also changed as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So even going in back to school, you know, I, I was kind of like, okay, well, this is, this is a new opportunity. Mm. And, um, how, what, how are you going to, how are you going to approach it? Right. Versus if you were given the same opportunity, opportunity a little bit earlier, Mm. right. My, my approach might've not been as smart or as wise, I guess you could say, but, um, yeah, I, I really feel like the, that gap year was critical for me Mm. to do well. Uh, going back, back to school. Um, one, one thing that I can tell you, like one mindset, I guess that kind of mm-hmm. changed was, you know, obviously um, I entered my PhD program still when I was really young. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're still really young. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But I think, I, I think like when you're fresh out of college, yeah. you know, versus yeah. like, fast forward 10 years, like who you are in your thirties is so different from who you are in your twenties. You know, that was in my young twenties when I entered the PhD program. So I was really a baby. You were going really hard at that. Totally, totally. And, you know, there were, I think because, um, I burned out. I mean, there, I want to just be real with you. Mm -hmm. There were some opportunities that I just kind of like let, I I let those opportunities pass me by and I didn't Mm. see them when I should have. And there's a whole bunch of factors I think that contributed to it, but I also can't neglect like my own personal responsibility when those things happened. And there, there were a couple of situations where I did feel like, Oh, Dorothy didn't actually really work that hard, like in that Mm. moment, you know? And then, so going back or fast forwarding and going back to school, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you had to have a different mindset. You know, it's like, yeah, the past is the past and you learn from that. You can't redo it, nor do I want to redo it. I don't want to like live with regret, but moving forward, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really work hard and everything that I do, I need to ask myself, is this at the end of the day, am I satisfied with Mm. the work that I did? And if I can always go home saying yes, then I knew that I had given it my all right in that particular moment. So, I mean, this is, you know, in grad school that, you know, we have a lot of assignments and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of projects and things like that. And, and I just remember from day one, I was like, okay, it doesn't matter how big or small I think this assignment is. I still want to do my best mm. and I still want to make sure that I submit work that is really like worthy, you know, right, of, right. of my effort and, you know, shows that I, I did put time into this and I took it seriously. Cause I, I think, you know, how we do the small things, right. Mm-hmm. is really how we do everything right. as well. Right. So I kind of came in with that mindset, which was very different from, I think, when I was in my PhD program and it right. wasn't to say that like I was also lazy or else I wouldn't have graduated. But 
I think there was for sure some maturing that mm. needed to happen that probably didn't happen <laughs> yeah. during that time. Right. And so, you know, having again, that gap year to just mm-hmm. have a different experience, um, yeah. to be separated from it for a bit, really kind of gave me a fresh perspective and fresh eyes. Played in your advantage to do that, like to totally. continue your school. Yeah. Well, totally. I think, okay, you decided to go to school and then you, as you were progressing, you know, with the program, when mm-hmm. was that moment when you like, I'm walking on my purpose? Like, I know this is what I'm meant to do. Like, I know you sh- we've talked about it before mm-hmm. and like that really, really inspired me. And, and I actually text you, I think like a week ago, I'm like, Dorothy, I get it. I know you talked about it, but I finally just get it now. <laughs> about like being in purpose that it's not something that is so big out there but it's actually seeking for what is in front of you and what available to you I mean I came to this realization probably like over the last year or two years and it's just kind of developed and you know I think grown Mm -hmm. um, the more that I've given thought to it but you're right Purpose isn't something that is ethereal, that's like just out there and something that we work towards. I think our purpose can also be found right in the present. Mm. And so for myself, you know, I, I always tell myself, okay, you know, what is God asking you to do now? Because if mm. you're obedient to what God's asking you to do now, then you are in his purpose, you know? Wow, so good. And, yeah. and sometimes it's really hard for us to see like what is out there, you know, but I think that if we're faithful with the present, like we will eventually, right. Like God will eventually lead us to the what's out there in the future. Um, And it's not to say that like vision is like bad or anything. Mm Vision is great, you know, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um, I think we can get so caught up in what is that future big thing Mm -hmm. that we don't actually pay attention to what God's doing right now in our lives. Right. And so, um, you know, in that gap year, it was like a combination of things were starting to happen, um, like to me and within me that led me to the decision of, okay, I'm going to apply and, mm-hmm. um, try going back to school. And it was, I, I noticed it actually with the classes that I was teaching. Mm. So for, um, those classes, you know, those classes are made up of students that want to be speech pathologists. They mm-hmm. want to be a clinician right. and they were just asking me questions, um, very specific to the field, which I realized I didn't have too much to give them because I hadn't walked that path, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, huh, okay, well, you know, these are people that, um, really want guidance Mm. and, you know, someone to, to help them on Mm. this journey of being a speech pathologist. And I haven't done that. So my answers to them were pretty vague. And then Mm. I kind of like, while they were asking me these questions, I myself was like, Dorothy, like, you're also kind of interested in finding out these answers Mm. too. So it was almost like this, this, parallel thing mm-hmm, that was happening mm-hmm. students were asking me and then I myself was getting curious and I always attribute you know when me going back to school a large part of it was because of my students oh, like wow. my students yeah, yeah my students are the ones who really push me to be better and mm. to learn and to you know keep growing so their questions prompted me like okay you're also interested in this, like maybe you should do something about it. Um, and so, yeah. And then I, you know, this whole thing about like, okay, well, Dorothy, you know, you have a PhD, the highest degree in the field. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to go quote, quote, backwards, right. Mm. To a master's degree. Like, isn't that kind of weird? And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of opinions, um, from a lot of different people, some saying, yeah, you should do it. And others being like, no, you don't need to do that. And, um, I just felt more and more like, no, I need to do this. Like I need to go through the process of, yeah, I know I have the highest degree, but I can't let that mm. be a roadblock, you right. know? And I think, I think a lot of people can say like, oh, well, you have your PhD. So like, you know, everything, but it's like, no, I, of course not. Of course I don't know everything, you know, mm. and I know better than to think that I know everything. So, um, 
so even just being able to put myself back in the position of like student, you know, mm -hmm. and to say like, no, I mean, yeah, you do have a high degree. Yeah. You, the highest degree. Yeah. You're really smart, but you don't know everything. And there's still more out there that mm -hmm. you can learn. So already I was like, that's the position I'm going to take. Um, and so, yeah, so I, you know, started school. I was, you know, fortunate enough to get accepted into a program <laughs> and started school and was excited from day one to go back, you know, and really pumped about what is it that I'm going to learn? I'm actually mm. going to have real experience outside of a research setting with patients who have disorders, with students who have disorders. Like it's good. And I was just like full on, like I'm, I'm a student. Yes. I know yeah. I have this experience as instructor, as teacher, but I'm a student and I will always be a student in a way. And you know, there's more to learn. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So just as I went throughout the program and the, the people that I got to work with and the people that I met, and I just felt like my world had actually gotten much bigger mm. and I was meeting all of these. Um, yeah, we were all kind of studying the same thing, but you know, people that had different interests from mm. me, people who had different ways of thinking than me. And, um, yeah. So, so I, I don't regret it at all. And I think that as I studied and as I got more experience in certain areas, so like I've already, I already knew from, you know, doing my PhD that I wanted to work with adults mm -hmm. that still hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. I still want to work with adults and still am working with adults. Mm -hmm. Um, but have real realized that like, wow, I really, I really love this stuff. This stuff is really interesting to mm -hmm. me. And it's something that comes to me so easily. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. I feel like I don't, I mean, I have to work hard for right. it. Absolutely. Right. But it, it seems like it just comes naturally and right. that I have a draw at an interest to the content, to everything mm. that goes into what I do. Um, and so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, when it comes to purpose, it's like, well, I mean, I, I for sure hope and plan on mm -hmm being a clinician and developing those skills, but I don't ever want to box my, my myself in and say, well, this is what the rest of my life is going to right, look like. Right. You know, like I'm always open to what, what that could, you know, transform look like into. In the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I actually want to take a pause because actually I'm mind blown there's a lot of wisdom nuggets in here and I want to highlight it for podcasts. Oh. And that's why I <laughs> love to have conversation with you. And maybe by you sharing stories, it might sound like, okay, well, it's my story and I lived it and like, well, this is the norm for you. But like, to be honest, for me, I love having conversation with you because I get so inspired and I always get nuggets of wisdom. So like from your story, what you share, what I like, took out for myself and like actually like have to take notes now <laughs> is first of all, is that you humble yourself to actually come back to school. Like you didn't, even you have this like highest degree and realizing that you have this passion, you chose to come back to school and be a full on student. Like yeah, so what if I have PhD? If I'm doing a master, I'll be a student, you know, and listen to the people that are teaching there. And that's really hard. It, yeah. it, actually, it's hard. You know, I would be lying if I was like, oh, yeah, it was like so easy. Like in some ways, I'm like, oh, thank goodness I've graduated because I'm no longer in this like weirdo limbo stage. But it, it is hard, yeah. you know, but, you know, for myself, at least mm -hmm. I speak for myself. I will always be a student. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I teach, but I will always be a student yeah. because I know I don't know everything. You yes. Know? And I think that's important to keep it in mindset of, you know, if you're doing anything in life, just keeping the mindset that you're always learning, that you always want to learn more and you want to know more because there's no you know day when you like know it all. Another thing that I took out from your conversation is that you're a good listener. Like even while you were teaching, and your students were asking you questions and you would go home and reflect on it. Like you pay attention to what is surrounding you. And I think that's the key of finding your purpose. Because if you are looking for purpose somewhere there and always daydreaming about something, imagine about the life that you see on Instagram or on TV shows, but you don't really listening what is around you 
And like we already mentioned before that your purpose is in now. But like for you to really know what is that, you have to listen in what is happening around you, around you, what people are asking you. If they need something, they come to you and they ask you, meaning that they look up to you as an expert. So that's how you kind of figure out like, okay, well, people keep asking me this question. So maybe I need to, you know, do better. The another thing that I learned too from you is that you take personal responsibility. If you are lectured for your students and if they ask you questions or they want to know, you do take personal responsibility of like, okay, well, if I'm in this role, like I want to do this and help them to progress or go wherever they need to. Haven't explicitly stated this, but I do think teaching is like a part of, you know, that thing that's like woven into purpose, you know, mm. kind of, again, it's not the only thing, but I do right. think that is a part of who I am and a part of my gifting. Mm. And I, you know, I was teaching, I had been teaching for a really long time. You know, I was even teaching when I was an undergraduate. Mm. So it's something that I've done for a while. And part of what brought me back to school was the fact that I, I too didn't just want this teaching thing to be stagnant. I mm. wanted to be a better teacher. And again, some of that stemmed from the students' questions, mm -hmm. right? That students were asking me questions, like clinically-based questions that I didn't really, I mean, I could answer them. But it's one thing to talk about what you maybe have heard about or like just this like small um, collection of experiences mm -hmm. that maybe you've, you know, um, took part in or have witnessed. But it's another one to be able to say like, no, I've done this, you know? Mm, and yeah. um, so a lot of those experiences that I was speaking out of was like in this very small, narrow world of research. And what they were really asking is, you know, clinically, mm -hmm. how does, you know, X right. kind of appear or how do you deal with this? And then that's where I was kind of like, I don't really quite know because I know, I know the research, I know, you know, kind of the, the textbook, but I myself don't have mm -hmm. experience as a clinician, right? right? And so um, a, a large part of why I went to school, went back to school is not just because like I was interested in because my students were asking me these questions and I was like, you need to walk that path, mm. but also because I wanted to get better in my teaching. Oh, and, okay. and yeah, so like it actually fed back. So mm. like I was a student and I was learning these skills and I was having these experiences and I found that those um, experiences and the skills that I gain actually fed backwards, like mm. into my teaching. And so I will say that since I've been in school and have worked with, you know, diff different people of different ages of different disorders, when I teach now, I'm actually able to say like, no, no, like, this is what I've seen. Mm. This is what I've experienced versus, oh, well, this is what like, I've, I've learned about, and this is what yeah. a textbook says, yeah. and this is what I've seen on a video. It's like, no, I, I myself have personally had these rich right. clinical outside of research experiences with real people, how things are operating in the real world. And right. I have that to share with you. Right. So, um, so yeah, so it helped my teaching become better as well. And I, and I do think that I am a better instructor today mm. than I was two years ago. Um, I mean, and I'm not saying again that I'm like by any means where I want to be, mm -hmm. but I have made progress. Right. And, you know, I'm proud of that. And just in everything that you do, even throughout the conversation, you're like, well, I do this and then I will ask myself question and kind of self-reflect and your answer would be like, okay, well, I can do this or I have a choice of doing that. So you take personal responsibility of doing something that you can better your life like you don't run around and ask I'm pretty sure you have mentors that you advise with but you not just like listen to pe what people say is you actually take all those tools and understanding and then reflect on your own life and then take personal responsibility and even mm -hmm. like doing with school like I'm gonna be a student and you just like play full on being fully in that's 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 huge and being a PhD student for six you know six years and then come back you know that's like 
a lot of commitment. One more thing that I believe that when you do more little goals that you achieve for yourself, you gain confidence that, okay, well, I've done it before. Not that it's not, it's going to be easy, but I can do it because I've done it before. So would you say that finding the purpose, it just makes you feel natural of what you do, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't feel like I am doing something that is drudgery mm. or boring to me. I mean, I know I'm pretty fresh in terms of like the clinical world, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I do wake up and I'm excited about going to work mm. and the people I'm going to encounter and the cases that I get to work on like that, it does excite me, you know? Mm, yeah. And I really hope that that feeling, you know, I know I thought it was going to be sunshine and rainbows every right. day, but I really still hope that that drive mm -hmm. at the end of the day is still there. Um, and, you know, I have to, I have to obviously take responsibility in protecting that um, because particularly in our field, burnout is quite mm. common, you know? So, um, but I, again, I think there's a lot of things that I've learned up to this point and things that I will continue to learn. Um, even when it comes to like self-care and, mm. you know, priorities, like I just have a little bit of a better idea of where I stand on some of those things now being older than like <laughs> 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago when I was like in my young twenties. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thankful for sure for the journey that I've taken. I don't regret a single thing that has happened. You know, I, I mean, it kind of needed all the mistakes that I made and the things mm -hmm. that happened. Um, like my story kind of needed that because if they, if it didn't happen that way, I don't know if I would be where I am today. Well, what, what do you mean by self-care? So uh, learning how to say no. Mm, that's important. <laughs> you know, like setting boundaries, right? Mm. And what is most important to you, you know? And family, loved ones, friends, mm. right? Like what relationships do I really want to invest in? Um, you know, and, and even opportunities, right? Mm. Like there were when I went back to, um, to school, I realized that, okay, I probably am not going to be able to teach at least in person. Um, like I was able to do prior to, mm -hmm. um, to when I, you know, before I started school. Mm -hmm. Um, and throughout those two years, you know, there were times when I was like, Hey, can you teach this class? And I, and I'm, you know, I'm like, well, I, I can't, like, I have to say no. And it was mm. really difficult for me to say no. Um, but I knew like, okay, what, what is it that I really value? And what is it that I really prioritize and what deserves my attention right now? Mm. Um, so, yeah. you know, there, there's, uh, so even opportunities that I feel like, oh, that, that would be so cool. And that would be great. Like thinking, well, what is my, priority right now. Right. And if I do that, is it going to take attention away mm -hmm. from what I feel like is most important and what I feel like deserves my most, uh, my utmost attention. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think a big one is just saying no, like mm. being able to say no and not feeling bad about it because I was a huge yes person. Yeah. Um, and it, in fact, now I say no and I'm, I wouldn't say like, I'm free of like, Oh, what is that person going to think of me? Cause I, I, I still have that mm. thought sometimes running through my mind, but it bothers me less today than it did, you know, even right. three years ago. So like how you determine what you deserve. What I was saying is like, what, what priorities do I feel like mm. deserve my attention? Right. Gotcha. And so that's why I'm like, well, when I started school, I made that commitment, right? And I kind of started with that mindset of this is like, I have this very precious gift mm. to pursue, you know, this clinical track. Um, and, you know, I, I went to a university that gave me, that I felt like did give me that second chance. Like they mm. didn't look at my PhD and say like, uh, 
well, we're going to give this position to someone else because she already has it all. Like they didn't make those assumptions. Um, and so I, I felt like me coming back to school was truly a gift that mm. I didn't want to waste. Gotcha. And so that's where I really felt like, okay, this is my priority. This really does deserve my attention. And I didn't feel like there was any type of, um, I guess like pushback or mm. like incongruency between that priority and what I also felt like God was telling me to prioritize. Like I felt like they were in tandem, that mm. there was like agreement of like, yes, you're going to, you're going to finish this. You're going to do well in this arena. You're going to do well on this journey every step of the way, you know? And so, yeah, so because I had that focus mm. and I already knew, uh, I, I had already defined that yeah. this is what deserves my attention. This is going to be my focus. It was easier to say no to a lot of mm. other stuff. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, no, totally. So just for my mental notes. So you need to get the focus, narrow it down, and then you get your priorities. And after getting your priorities, you will just know what deserves to say no and what deserves to say yes. Yes. Because of that focus that you already have. And after... So I think like, yeah, for sure. Well-defined focus mm -hmm. helps with your ability to stay focused. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, again, you ask me this same question like 10 years ago and it would have been different. It would have been right. a different response. Like right. I was saying yes to everything, things that I shouldn't have said yes to, things that were taking my attention away from what I really needed to prioritize at the time. Um, but again, with different experiences, with age, with maturity, that has become a lot easier. Yeah. If you have an opportunity to talk to your 18 years old, what would you tell her? This doesn't really have anything to do with finding your purpose. So I'm sorry if this That's fine. I just want to know. <laughs> but I think for myself, um, it would, and we've touched on it actually uh, already about listening. Mm. Um, I think when I was in my early 20s, I was quite judgmental oh. and I was quick to make assumptions mm. about people. And I would probably tell that person, you know, that younger self of mine um, to, to really listen. Mm. Um, and that if, even if other people have an idea that is different than yours, don't be so quick to write them off or to dismiss mm. that idea. Um, the the thing is, is like over time, I think I've really learned how to listen to people and their stories yeah. and where they're coming from. And this is, I think, just had, again, not necessarily directly related to like finding your purpose, but I definitely think it has enriched my life and mm. it's given me greater understanding of, of humanity. I guess you could say, um, which is always a good thing, yeah, right? Like, so, you know, so I, yeah, I would just tell my younger self, like, listen, don't be quick to write off people. Um, you'd be surprised where you can find wisdom, even in people who don't necessarily look like they have a lot of wisdom. Um, do you listen to people or listen in if those people just like ticks you off? Yeah, you know, like question. they just say things and you're just like, <laughs> I, I just can't, I, I'm just shut down. <laughs> I always try. I always try to be objective. <laughs> I'm like, Dorothy, just be objective. Um, and it's the hardest. It is, it is a hard thing to do. Yes. Yes. But I think it's like, you just have to, I, for myself, like I, I remind myself, like, just be objective, you know, and there, there are, there are always two sides to a story. You yeah, know, well, uh, I, I think it's important too. It's when you talk to someone that ticks you off, just don't take it personally because they might talking from, you know, perspective that they're on or the thing that happened this morning to them even, you know, it right. doesn't even have to go that deeper. Maybe something this morning that didn't go well with them and it kind of just manifesting out on you, you know, so just kind of, and then like you go from there. <laughs> right, right. And I think, 
And I think too, I mean, this is like the big question, right? In like for you and I is, you know, you don't want to be someone that's like swayed by every opinion. Right. You know, you, you still need to know where you stand, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, how can you respectfully disagree with someone and still show kindness and still show love while still standing for truth. And that's the hard thing because I think it's an art yeah. <laughs> that either some people are like, you know, they lean too far to one side where, and then it neglects the other. And you do definitely need both. It's hard. We are, we are people who like to categorize and like things to be really black and white. And label them. Uh, absolutely. So that's why it's hard, right? Because it's... Yeah. Like I, I yeah, think that I totally agree with you. I have this problem with when people say something, I either shut them down and just like kind of, okay, you're not in my world, like, bye. So that's like not the right way. You want to listen in. And there are people that really ticks me off and I just want to argue. Mm-hmm. But like recently I have to kind of learn and just keep talking to myself. It's like, okay, how do you can listen in? And then share your opinion, but not try to push your opinion or shovel in and make them to believe that your opinion is right. Like we can agree to disagree. Right. But then at the same time, I have this problem. It's like, well, I'm not living truly to my, you know, standard or you're supposed to speak the truth, you know, Mm -hmm. but like sometimes you just don't want to because those people are just not ready. And like Mm -hmm. I struggle. It's like, well, if you're not ready, should I be saying that to them? Or should I not? If I not, then I'm not authentic to myself. But if I say mm-hmm. to them, it might come out harsh, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. this is something that I'm like learning right now. <laughs> like, how do you do that? <laughs> no, I agree. It's, it's I land, an art. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am, am uh, in the same boat, Mimi. So ask me 10 years later <laughs> how I feel about this issue. <laughs> but I, I agree. And I think too, where I've kind of landed right now is you have to kind of choose your own battles. Yeah. And is it, is it going to be, if I say something, mm. is it going to move anything or progress anything forward? Right. right? So good. Or is yeah. it going to exhaust me? Mm. And is it going to pull something out of me that is going to tire me? Because if it is, it's probably not worth my time. Right. But if I really feel like, yes, you know, this is something that I should say, and I feel like, you know, it, it would be received well, mm-hmm. um, say received well, cause that's, that, that doesn't always apply to every situation. Right. <laughs> but if I feel like it is almost like, you know, a battle or if it's, if it's something that I want to say that I feel like would be beneficial Mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. that um then you know I will most likely say it but not everything I feel like what I want to say needs to be said yeah nor is it necessarily beneficial for me to say it so I do really think about when I, I actually do say something um yeah it's, it's a tough one I, I don't really yeah. have a great answer for you on that one <laughs> No, I think what I landed now too, it's not even Mm -hmm. about me anymore. It's about like what I say, is it going to make their life better? Mm -hmm. You know, that seed of that thought of that disagreement, is it going to grow them, make them better? Yes. Okay. I'll do it. And it's sometimes it's hard to judge, you know, like what is going to make for them better, but you kind of just rely on your own gut in that moment. And if it's kind of the season that they're in right now, seed that I'm putting in, it's not have place to be in then I kind of just not say it maybe it will be for next season you know in most cases consider your audience right and consider where they're coming from and try to put yourself in their shoes and I think if you do that it really does help with even the way that you say something right um and so I always try to do that you know because I'm I'm not the type of person to go like blasting off my opinions on Facebook for these a thousand some people to see most of whom I don't even have a close relationship with. Like, you know what I'm saying? So most of the people that I'm speaking to, I feel like I do weigh very carefully Mm. what I'm going to say, how I say it and how it's going to be perceived, Mm -hmm. not just received, 
you know, but like perceived by mm-hmm. the other person. Um, and that's a part of, you know, the art of communication too, right. right? Is that if you really want to present your perspective, right? The, the way that you present it, the manner in which you present it has to be considered obviously from the people that you're speaking to. Right. Like you have to think about, okay, how are they going to listen to this? How are they going to hear it? How are they going to, you know, perhaps perceive this particular thing that yeah. I said, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and wow. I think that's so much wisdom. more effective communicator yeah I always learn so much from you and I know we can talk for like hours and hours which has been (laughs) hour (laughs) just before we close out last five with the short answers okay let's see if I can do these fast (laughs) no you don't have to do it fast but just kind of short answers um so since my podcast is about personal growth and Mm that journey where would you recommend to someone that is interested in personal growth to start? Start now. <laughs> Don't start later. Um, and well, I would say, what area do you want to improve yourself? Better to focus on like one or two versus mm. overwhelm yourself with 10, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's in the area Good. of what you want to do. If a kid who graduated from high school already has an inkling of what they're good at Mm. and what they like, I mean, always start out right with what is it that you like and then learn about it. Like, Mm. even if it's a hobby, learn about it, you know, Mm. like don't be so boxed in to, I mean, I, yes, I love speech pathology. I do. I enjoy it, but I don't want that to be the only thing that I'm known Mm. for and that I can talk about, you know, like, I love that. You know, so other- get clarity yeah. and go after it. Yes. And yep. Google, like the internet is a wonderful thing. Right. So if you want to know, do I start with a book? Do I start with a podcast? Google will be a better consultant than me. Mm. Or <laughs> start will- listening to my podcast. <laughs> they, exactly. They will start to yield more, you know, answers for you than, yeah. than myself. <laughs> So what is the best tip that you can share that you do to grow Uh yourself? Um, I think it's always to position yourself in a place of learning. Mm, Yeah, that's a good one. You did mention that. What Mm. is the new skill that you are learning right now? Multiple skills, but skills, I think, in in that particular arena. Mm. So building my more so my knowledge base and then, you know, really hoping to solidify that so that when I go in, the more like people to people skill can, you know, be much easier to acquire. Yeah. That's so, um, yeah. That's like what I've really been focusing on during this entire quarantine. I think like throughout <laughs> our uh, conversation, I hear one theme. It's like, get your purpose, get focus and go. And that's why yes. you inspire me. <laughs> well, me. You're so, kind. Um, so where do you look for inspiration or motivation on the days that you don't feel like it? <laughs> Ice cream? <laughs> that's more of like this is very comforting and I love it <laughs> um oh gosh uh oh you don't have those days when I'm not always inspired I at least try to do one thing take a like taking a small step mm. progresses me forward so sometimes in terms of like this new, these new skills that I'm gaining mm-hmm. yeah I don't want to always watch every single day a seminar on swallowing or a seminar on like aphasia. I don't always want to do that. And so it's like, can I read a one to two page handout Mm. of some technique? Okay. If I did awesome, learn something new, know a little bit more today, exactly than I did yesterday. Um, And you feel better about yourself. Yeah. At least you did something. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, I guess I take more of a, practical like non-emotional mm. way <laughs> to move forward <laughs> so, I think I can relate yeah. to that I think I can yeah. relate to that <laughs> not that I'm never inspired but I feel like inspiration only gets you so far true actions you need actions and practical steps <laughs> yeah yeah um and last number five so if science failed to save us and all that is left is book about your life. What would be the title? I like and, how it's like specifically science that fails us. 
Man, I'm so not good at this type of like creative stuff, Mimi. Um, she lived and she loved. And the little subtitle would be in very, very small print ice cream. She lived and she loved ice, ice cream. cream. <laughs> I mean, for those who don't know me, ice cream plays a major role in my life. Yes. I have it every single day. Oh, really? And also, I've become like a major snob when it comes to ice cream. Mm. So it's not just any ice cream will do. It's typically the ones that are like made of fresh ingredients and have zero, you know, like preservatives or weirdo ingredients that no one can pronounce. Like it's, I've, I've reached that point where there's a particular standard that has to be met for me to eat it. Yeah. Yes. She actually has a whole Instagram page devoted to ice cream. And it's actually very inspiring. (laughs) Dorothy takes her time with taking pictures of ice cream. It's true. I do. I do. Yeah. So if you're interested and you want to follow, you can go to Instagram and type at... um, I dream in sprinkles. I dream in sprinkles. See, you're, mm-hmm. you're such a creative person. What are you talking about? <laughs> when it comes to ice cream. I think I should ask you, what would my title be? More, it, 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 it's more meaningful if it comes from someone else. It's like, it's like that verse in the Bible that's like, let other people sing your praise. <laughs> as far as I know you, whatever that you Aww. set out, you will do. And I think that's just a single sentence. It's so inspiring, you know? And that's one thing that I'm learning for myself right now is keep the promise for yourself first. You know, if you want to do something great, you need to be the person who confident in your own promises to yourself first. Well, and then you mentioned uh, what we, how we do small things is how we do big things. If you can't keep promise to yourself. Right. So I think that's what really inspiring me. You know, you, well, you say what you're going to do and you always do it. So oh, thanks, good. Mimi. Yeah. Well, I hope to obviously continue to grow in that arena. By no means perfect in that area, but yeah. Um, and well, I'm super blessed and honored that I have you on my podcast. That you're my friend, and I can continuously learning from you. Oh, well, thanks for inviting me. It was yeah, fun. Yeah, no, it was fun. And if you like my podcast, please like below and put the review down so then I can learn from my mistakes. <laughs>